Brother Jesse, I don't know about my memory here lately. Sometimes I stop and I try to think of something or I, I look at somebody in the face and I, I, I should know their name. And it has just completely flew away. And I stand there looking at them, scanning through my, the pages of my memory, trying to figure out what their name is. So I'm not sure how good of a memory I've got anymore. But anyway, amen. I'm glad to be in the house of worship this morning. Amen. Amen. When we first began, while you're turning to the uh, ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, but as we began to worship, and I kind of just felt like there was just kind of a subdued spirit this morning, and I wasn't sure if it was the uh, still the sleep uh, that uh, maybe had some of you bound up a little bit still this morning, or if it was just a uh, subdued spirit of God here this morning, but amen, thank you for your worship and for responding. Man, to the songs of worship. I am going to read um, verses 24 through 27 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep, my, keep, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen. Amen. I'm going to minister this morning, and it may be more of a lesson uh, this morning on the thought, I have decided. I have decided. Amen. I've made a decision. Amen. Would you pray before we're seated and just ask the Lord to speak to us, minister to us? I pray, Lord, that you would help me. Help me to convey your heart. Help me to convey your thoughts here today, Lord Jesus. We're living, Lord, in the end time. God, we've got to be ready. We've got to make ourselves ready. We've got to be prepared, Lord Jesus. I pray that the Holy Ghost would stir our hearts here this morning. Oh, I pray, God, for somebody, Lord, that there is an awakening today, Lord Jesus, in their heart, in their soul today. Lord, that somebody today, God, makes a decision to serve you. I pray it, I ask it, Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I have decided, over the course of life, you make a lot of decisions, some of them menial decisions, some of them very low priority type of decisions. 
But then there are decisions that you will make in life that will have lifetime impact. Amen. But there is a decision that weighs in the balance right here today for every one of us that are here this morning that has an eternal impact. Amen. I have decided. When you came to an altar of repentance, amen, when you uh, were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you, at that point, you entered into a race to make heaven your home. When you walk down to an altar of repentance, or maybe in your pew, or maybe even just standing at your pew, when you repented before God and you made a commitment to serve Him and to walk with Him, amen, you basically, in essence, were saying, sign me up for the race. Amen. When you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when you went down in water for the remission of your sins, you were basically saying, register me for the race. Over the years, I have watched, and I'm sure that some of the seasoned elders that are here today, and if you've been around the church very long, and if you haven't, as the Lord tarries, you are going to see some people. You're going to watch them go different directions. I have watched many along the way that have uh, made a uh, decision to go a different direction, and we, uh, this morning, Pastor referenced the parable of the sower and the seed and, and, and how that some of the seed was cast upon the stony ground and, and, and some of it was cast into the thorny uh, uh, thorn patch, so to speak. And, uh, and, and the, 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 the seed, as it began to sprout, it was choked out by the cares of life. And so there's many reasons and many things and, uh, uh, as to why people have just decided to go a different direction. Many of us here this morning... Uh, if we are honest with one another and honest with ourselves, we would say this morning, you would, and I'm not asking for a showing of hands, but you would raise your hand and you would say that, yes, uh, I have uh, had my moments in this uh, race. I have stumbled along the way. Uh, there have been some bumps along the way. There have been some stumbling blocks. And maybe you even fell down for a period of time. Uh, but somewhere along the way, you got back up and you got yourself back in the race. Uh, you got back in the game, so to speak. Uh, amen. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. Uh, and you're here this morning because of that decision. Amen. This is not a race for first place. Thank God. Amen. It's not a race for a trophy. But it's a race for the endurance. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus foretold that there's going to be many false prophets that's going to rise up in the last days. They are going to deceive many. They are going to speak deception to the many people who will listen to them. And there's going to be many that will follow them. Amen. He said, iniquity shall 
abound. People's love, he said, for others and for God is going to wax cold. It's going to grow cold. And as I was reading this and as I was studying this this morning, I thought, man, we're really, we're, we're right there. Amen. When we, uh, you, you don't have to turn uh, uh, the radio on very long to hear the, all the sarcasm that's being espoused over the airwaves and in media today and across social media. Amen. It don't take long that you, uh, until you hear the vile speech and the, the spewing of hatred that's going on in our world today. And, I re- and as I read that, I realized when Jesus said that the love, that people's love was going to wax cold, I realized we're seeing it. It's happening in our world today. But I'm going to tell you something. He also then, after that, spoke some words of hope. But he said, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. The world might speak their hate and the world might speak their vile speech and they might uh, 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 have animosity towards one another. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, the church still has hope. The church still has hope. If you'll just endure, if you'll just keep on walking, if you'll just have a made-up mind, if you'll just make a decision, I'm going to serve God. Amen. Amen. In the darkest of time, I can tell you, This book gives us hope. I was inspired with this thought a few weeks ago by a story that I heard. I have sung, there is a song that I grew up in the church hearing sung. I have sung it myself, but I did not know the story behind it. Here's the story. It's a song that originated from back in the 18th, from an incident that took place back in the 1800s. It originated from India. The lyrics are based upon the last words of a man named, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name the way I think it should be, and it's Noxang. So these words that I'm going to share with you are based upon this gentleman's last words. And this all took place when there was missionaries following the a a revival outbreak in Wales and some missionaries, some Christian missionaries. They weren't Pentecostal, they were, let's just say, Christian missionaries. And they had went to the northeast part of India. The region was known as Assam. It was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. And into these hostile and aggressive communities, these missionaries went to spread the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. And naturally, as you can imagine, with that environment, they were not welcomed. One of the missionaries succeeded in converting Noxang, his wife, and his two sons. But this stirred the anger of the village chief. The village chief summons the villagers. He then calls the family who had been converted 
before all that had gathered. And the chief demanded that they renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down through the years as he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. His refusal to recant enraged the chief. And the chief ordered his archers to arrow down his two sons. And as those two sons laid on the ground dying, the chief turns to the father and asks the father, now will you deny your faith? You've lost both your children. If you don't want to deny your faith, you're going to lose your wife. But the man responds by beginning to sing the words, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. His wife, she too, is arrowed down. She is now laying on the ground, dying with the sons. The chief asked for the last time, I'll give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and to live. But in the face of death, the man began another verse of the song that we know. And it says, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And the man was murdered for making this decision. Can you ask yourself, what good reason would I have, could I possibly have to bail out now when you hear a story like that? I don't know that any of us here this morning will ever face the same circumstances that this man faced and paid the ultimate price for the decision that he made. But I can tell you this morning that we're living in challenging times. We're living in times that I sometimes like to define as being in a pressure cooker. Amen. It's not like it used to be. I, I, I can remember growing up, <clears throat> and some of the Younger ones aren't here to make fun of me, so I can say this. 
Because I can remember when my dad would tell me things about when they went to school, and I'm thinking, sure. But I can remember attending school before computers, B.C., before computers. <laughs> but at the same time, I can remember, especially when I got into junior school and I got into high school, I can remember different individuals that would come in to speak to our classes, especially career-related types of settings and discussions. And I can remember them talking about the oncoming computer age. I can remember them talking about how that, that, that chip that was going to be in these computers could store so much information and this chip was just, you know, so minute and so small and could store hundreds of thousands of documents on these chips. And they, they would talk about how that it was going to make life so much easier. Liar. Man, we're, we're, we're living in challenging times. We're living in high-pressure times. Amen. Short, can I tell you this morning, short of being subjected to persecution, you will be subjected to the busyness of life that can become the enemy of your soul. Amen. I experience it. I know. I am there. Life sometimes just feels like a rat race. Sometimes some, somebody asks you, hey, how's it going? How you been? Well, everything's about the same. Just get up every morning, go to work, pay bills, come back home, eat dinner, and go to bed. And it's just, just, it just seems like sometimes that life is a rat race. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> it can be easy. In these moments to succumb to discouragement. And when you find yourself in that state of discouragement, the mind can become the fertile ground for the seed thought of just giving up. Amen. I know I'm speaking to some who, thank you, brother. I, I am speaking to some who are well entrenched. And thank God that there are people here that have made up their mind to serve God. You are the bedrock of the church. Amen. You are, the, you are what strengthens the church. Amen. And you are the individuals that can be the example and you can, that, that, that as new uh, uh, converts come into the church, you're the example that they can look to your consistency is important to them. Amen. And so, the mind can become the fertile ground for that seed thought. I remember one time I heard Brother Mullings, and I think he's from California. Ron, Ron Mullings. I remember a story that he told one time gentleman in his church, I guess, was going through a difficult time, and he asked to meet with Pastor Mullings and to talk to him and counsel with him, and so 
they were in their moment and time of counseling, and he kind of began to sense where things was going with this gentleman, and, and I guess he was just really battling with some things and difficulties and circumstances, and he finally he comes to a point where he says that, you, you know, uh, Brother Mullings, uh, as he was laying out his circumstances, he says, but I would never quit church. And Brother Mullings, he looked at the man and, and he, 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 had, he, 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 he kind of chastised him because what he heard was that by that man making that statement, you have contemplated quitting. To make a statement that, oh, I would never give up. In some ways could be saying that I have contemplated quitting. Never allow that thought. Amen. Paul said this. He said, neither give place to the devil. Amen. Don't, don't, Paul was saying, don't even give him a chance. In case you don't know it, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. If you just crack the door, he'll just come on in. I, I, I am not, and our scripture text this morning was about a race. It's about Paul's talking and equating this to a foot race. And I am not a runner. Uh... I look at people walk, I go down the road and I see people jogging down the road and I'm thinking, what a waste of time. <laughs> That's just, just how I feel. <laughs> My mind goes back to back in the 70s. Thank goodness there's no young people in here. But my mind goes back to the 70s when the United Pentecostal Church, and, and we still have the She's for Christ uh, fundraising that helps fund missions and different ministries of the organization, and it's a very uh, worthy cause. And, of course, I was just a young person. I'm going to guess I was, at that time I was maybe... 13-ish. And for several years, we had had bike-a-thons, 25-mile bike-a-thons, to raise money for She's for Christ. And uh, I was all about the bike-a-thon. I enjoyed the bike-a-thon. And uh, it was just, it was something good to participate in. But one year, the decision was made to do a walk-a-thon. And uh, it wasn't reduced in length from the bikeathon. It was a 25-mile walkathon. That's a long ways, brother. I didn't realize what I signed up for. Yeah, I, I, I checked. Of course, with the ultimate site for information, Google. And Google says the average 
there is an average of 2,000 steps in a mile. So that means I did 50,000 steps to complete this walkathon. Do I need to tell you that my feet hurt? Do I need to tell you that my knees hurt? My hips? My lower back? When I got back to the starting point, which was the church, I still remember collapsing on the porch, the entry porch, on the AstroTurf carpet. And I laid there. I was hurting. But you know what? I was not about to quit. I kept telling myself, you've got to make it. You've got to make it. I, I kept telling myself, I am not going to be remembered as a quitter. I wasn't the first one to finish the course. And I'm not sure, I can't even remember where I did finish exactly. All I know is I endured and I finished. I did it. I finished the course that day that was set before me. All because I had a made up mind. All because I kept telling myself, I have come to finish this course. If you're going to finish this course, if you're going to finish this race, hey man, it's going to take a made-up mind that says, come what may, come what will, despite what may happen, despite what circumstances come my way, despite what difficulties I may face, I am going to finish this race. Amen. God is not coming back for a half-hearted church. He's not coming back for wishy-washy people. He's not coming back for somebody who's on for a few months and who's off for the next few months. Amen. He's not coming back for people uh, that just is just... Uh, back and forth in their determination to serve him. I'm telling you, he's, come for, he's coming for a people that has made themselves ready. He's coming for a people who have signed up for the race with a mindset, I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm going to keep running till I run across that finish line. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He's coming back for people who have transitioned from the calling to making themselves prepared to meet their God. He's coming for people who have thrust themselves in the race to see Him. Amen. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have times of discouragement. There's going to be times where you'll just wonder what am I doing? Where am I going? And this, this kind of go along, goes along with the lesson that Pastor shared with the leadership team. Intentional. Amen. Being intentional. Inten ha having, having the right intentions. 
You've got to have the intention to serve God. You've got to have the intention to make it if you are going to make it. Amen. And there's going to be discouragements along the way. Amen. Sometimes just in life in general. I, I, I come home sometimes and there's never a blank to-do list at my place. <laughs> never. And I'll tell you, sometimes I think, wouldn't it be nice just to not have a, to be able to come home from work and not to have a to-do list? Sometimes I, I, I get a little, when I start getting a little bit discouraged about life and I'm thinking, maybe I'll just sell this place and maybe I just need to just do this and do that and I, maybe I could just cash in the equity here and just kind of just, just get a job that just doesn't require much and maybe work three days a week and, and, and then I realize you better just go to bed. <laughs> Sleep on that. And you get up the next morning and you get ready for work and you begin a new, a new day and thank God for new mercy. So you're going to face discouragements. Life, life in itself is going to bring you discouragements. And it's nothing to do with God. Actually, sometimes it's a lot more to do about with the decisions that we make. And God ain't going to bail you out of every bad decision you make either. Sometimes we have to learn, if just as you've, if you've raised children, and your children make a mistake, and they come crying and, and wailing and wanting you to fix something, and no, you fix it. You do that to teach them a principle, to teach them a lesson. And sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances and difficulties that of our own making. And sometimes we, we cry, oh God, oh God, rescue me. And he's saying, I'm here, just find your way through it. Just, just work it out. Teaching us a lesson. You're going to come up against offenses. Offenses in the church. Yes. Offenses in the church. You show me a family that doesn't have offenses. And we're a family. So there's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be offenses along the way. Get over it. Deal with it. And if you can't figure out how to deal with it, get in the Word. The Word will give you. It'll show you. And if you're getting offended at the preaching, you better get in the Word and you better get on your knees. Amen. We'll be weary and well-doing. There'll be times where you cannot even begin to feel connected 
spiritually. And I'm not so sure that that isn't sometimes God just doesn't withdraw himself. Kind of take a few steps away. I know the scripture says he'll never leave us, never forsake us. I'm not talking about him leaving us. I'm talking about sometimes I think God will just withdraw himself to see how that we respond. Amen. Amen. Spiritual maturity. We're talking, about, we're talking about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is transitioning from living by feelings to living by knowledge, understanding, revelation. Amen. You cannot run this race for the duration upon your feelings. Because if you, if you try to run this race based upon your feelings, your feelings are constantly going to be nagging at you. Just quit. I hope your, your quietness means that you're absorbing this. How did Jesus overcome Satan's temptation by knowledge? Because he just came off of a 40-day fast. And tell me he wasn't hungry. Tell me he wasn't feeling hungry. And if he would have allowed his feelings to determine his response when Satan come along trying to tempt him, the scenario could have unfolded much differently. Satan says, command these stones to turn to bread. Jesus' response was, it is written. Knowledge. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He takes him up on the pinnacle, cast thyself down, and basically call on your angels to come and to rescue you and catch you. And and, and, and then Jesus says, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Takes him up in a high place. See, all these kingdoms, I'll give it all to you if you just fall down and worship me. Satan, it is is written thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve when you know the word of God you have a defense against doubt against discouragement against offenses when it comes your way I'm not telling you that you don't have to deal with it but I am telling you uh, the word of God gives you the strength gives you the ability to deal with it uh, gives you the understanding and the knowledge of how to deal with it uh, amen uh, well thank God for the word of God today hallelujah In Ephesians chapter 6 we read where the apostle Paul talks about the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. It gives us staying power to endure until the end. And it doesn't just stop. Paul didn't just, it just wasn't the sword of the Spirit, but he talks about the whole armor. Stand, he said, with your loins girt up with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith that would quench the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation. Amen. And then he says, pray. Pray to keep your mind, to keep your body that you have now guarded with the whole armor of God. To keep your soul battle ready because it's a battle for your mind. There is a battle that is waged for your mind. Paul said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities. We're wrestling against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. I think our world today is living in darkness. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm seeing a lot of spiritual wickedness going on in our world today. And if we're going to make it, if we're going to endure, you've got to have the whole armor of God. You've got to have the sword of the Spirit that is going to be your defense that's going to give you the answers and the ability in how to respond to discouragement and the circumstances that comes against you. It's a race to the patient. Amen. Let me, before I go there, just let me say, church, you know, I, when I was pastoring in Eaton and it being a small church, one of the things that I would say and, and remind them is that with especially with a smaller church, a church's longevity is rooted in its willingness to be steadfast in truth. Because when you get truth and when you get a revelation and an understanding of truth, there is nothing or nobody that can change your mind. Man, if you're not sure about this thing, you need to pray for revelation. If you're not so sure about this thing, maybe you need a Bible study. If you're not so sure about this thing, amen, at least get yourself into the Word of God and immerse yourself in the Word. Amen. You are marked by your consistency. People around you. They are watching you. Your family, your co-workers, your friends, they watch you. They watch your life. You are marked by your consistency. And the world does not look fondly. The world, as wicked as it is, and the world is uh, as seemingly as uh, 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 anti-Christian that it's becoming, the world does not look fondly upon on and off Christians. They may not be living the way they're supposed to be living, but they're watching you. And they are measuring you by what you say that you are. And if they see you just, you're kind of hanging out with the wrong bunch, they're going to equate you as doing the things that that wrong bunch is doing. If they see you going places you shouldn't go, they're going to begin to question, are you really a Christian? On and off. It's just a fad. It's just a social venue. Consistency, when there is consistency, there is a staying 
and a keeping power that is emanating from you that other people begin to see and be, begin to realize and it's beginning to build your testimony and, and, and they begin to see and they begin, they begin to understand there, there's something, there is something to that person. They, 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 they do live the, they, they, they live the way uh, that they uh, talk. They, they walk the talk, so to speak. And, 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 and then all of a sudden maybe their life is thrust into circumstances uh, and guess who they look to? Guess who they come to? Guess who they call up? And, hey, I need prayer. I've got a situation. I've got a circumstances. Why? Because you are living a consistent life before them. You have decided. Amen. So it's a race of patience. But patience is not a license for laziness in the kingdom. got to pray. You've got to know the Word. Be a student of the Word. Amen. There's going to be lulls. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be frustrations. But all the Scripture that tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with the wings as of eagles. And if we'll be consistent, if we will be persistent in due season, you shall reap. If you have decided. As I'm closing, if music and singers want to come, the Apostle Paul wrote, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. A mark. A prize. People run marathons today. They run for prizes trophies or maybe it's just even bragging rights how much the more should you run the race that is set before you there is a mark and there is a prize finish line of this race. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul in his last testimony, he defines that mark and that prize that's at stake. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. He said, I've kept the faith. The mark is the finish line prize is the crown of righteousness but only to those who have decided I'm going to run this race I may not be the fastest I may not run the aisles of the church I 
may not dance in the aisles. They may not be a leaper. I'm running the race. My eye is fixed on the prize. I'm going for the crown of righteousness. I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm not going to allow anything to deter me. I might fall down at times. I might have to get up at times. And I may have to get myself back in the race. But I have decided. I have decided. Somebody today needs to decide. I'm going to follow Jesus. I open this altar up if you are here. If you're not in the race, I'm asking you first and foremost, if you know and if you realize I'm not in the race, I've got to get in this race. I'm asking you to step out and walk down to this altar and find an altar of repentance to declare your decision before the Lord today. I'm not talking about just a 30-second feel-good prayer. I'm talking about making a commitment, a heartfelt commitment, a commitment that there's no going back. There's no forgetting it tomorrow morning when you wake up, but a commitment that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you realize... This is a new day and a new chapter in my life. I'm in the race to finish it. Let's stand. As they sing, I'm asking you to hear the voice of the Lord today. Hear the call of God. Holy Ghost is speaking to you. I'm asking you to come to this altar. In Jesus' name.